0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Welcome back. Kevin's quarter is here to many in the indie listening audience. Uh, It's Christmas Day. (laughs) Almost, I should say. Uh, Probably December 20th, 21st, something like that. A few days away from the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. Chris Presley and I will round out the show, giving our picks for who we think will be slugging that milk in victory lane come Sunday afternoon. weather looks outstanding. That makes me very happy. And, Chris, I know a whole lot is uh, race-dependent in your world of work, so uh, this is a big, big weekend for you as well.
1: Yeah. The whole month of May, especially for our office being the flagship station of the 500, Grand Prix quals, Carb Day, all of those fun things and then uh, all the 71 affiliates across the state of Indiana that pick up that coverage. It is a lot, but there are a lot of fun events, you know the rookie luncheons and things of that nature. Yeah. You and Rosie were out at uh, <laughs> out of practices and, and, and things yeah, we were out
0: at quals. Uh, <laughs> the idea sounded better in my head than maybe the execution of it, but no she hung in there for about 90 minutes or so and then when the French fries ran out, boy, that was the time to. Uh, you know, walking to the outside of the track where your car is parked—that walk a little bit longer than I thought. But uh, can't yeah. wait for Sunday, and uh, really looking forward to that. It's also been a bit busy week in the Colts world. Uh, yes, first look at them in an eleven-on-eleven 11 OTA setting. A lot of takeaways there that we're going to get to in this podcast. Um, Twitter questions as always. Let's start here though. Kenny Moore, Nick Foles. Um, two different signing, or I should say two different news items, but I want to start there before we get to the actual takeaways from what I saw the other day. Um, should we start with Kenny Moore?
1: Yeah because I mean actually it's a good transition from talking race because Kenny Moore is an avid IndyCar fan yeah, and, and goes and out to the water good boys. Yeah so yeah, let's start with with Kenny Moore because that is the hot iron topic right now.
0: Yeah, when Joel Erickson tweeted that out yesterday during practice about Kenny Moore, Deciding to sit out um, because of a contract dispute, it got me thinking to something that I think about a whole lot in the job that I have. Obviously, I cover the Colts among you know other things, but you know mainly that's um, the main thing I do outside of the seven to ten a.m. show every day on our station. And the thing that I am so happy about in covering the Colts, they do two things really well. They never show up on the ESPN bottom line for off-the-field random shit. And for the most part, Chris, I can't recall the last time they've had a public contract dispute, holdout, whatever you want to call it. And I look at these other NFL teams, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, all of them you know, have something on that level there. Um, so that was surprising to me when I saw it. Now, let me reiterate. In true Colts fashion, in true Kenny Moore fashion, this seems to be a very cordial holdout. Um, My level of concern, honestly, is not very high about this. It's May 26th. The mandatory minicamp is in two weeks. You know, we'll see if Kenny's out there training camps in two months. Like, I I don't think this is a break into six o'clock nightly news and go there. So... Um, I do want to make that clear, but at the same time, it's a noteworthy name. It's unusual for the Colts, so let's talk about it. Um, basically, this is what it looked like yesterday at OTAs. Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman come out to practice. They both go off to the side. Obviously, Julian Blackman recovering from his torn Achilles. Good news there. Sounds like he's ahead of schedule, so um, that's good news on that front. Um, but it didn't shock me to see Kenny off to the side. I mean, Kenny has been a guy that, I think it's shown up on the injury report. He's usually out there on the field, though. But like this time of year, veterans miss. You know, like I didn't see Dennis Kelly out there. Yannick Ngakwe wasn't there either. Um,
1: and that's the thing. It, Darius
0: it, Leonard didn't practice. You l- know,
1: l- l- so people are going to necessar- or they're going to see that trigger word of holdout. Right. If you still show up to the facility, I I'm-
0: keep on putting it in quotes, Chris. Like, every time I say it, I'm like, in quotes, hold out. I mean, Joel Erickson was saying to me yesterday, he's like, well, isn't it kind of a hold in? I'm like, yeah, I guess it is a hold <laughs> in. And, again, let me reiterate, and I think all of our listeners know this, but just to put an emphasis on it, this is voluntary. We're still in that portion of the offseason. It's voluntary this week, Chris. It's voluntary next week when there's three more OTA sessions. Then you get mandatory for a week. So one week, you have a three-day minicamp. That is mandatory. If you want to, you can find that player for not participating. Players go away for a month and a half. Then, obviously, training camp starts. And as we know, that is uber mandatory as well. So we're still a long ways away. Well, I guess we're two weeks away from another sort of line to cross in this you know, issue. And then we're two months away from the mega stuff. Right Now, to summarize my thoughts on the Kenny Moore situation. In short, and hopefully you'll continue to listen to the podcast after this. But in short, is Kenny Moore a little bit underpaid? Yeah, he probably is. You know, if you look at his average per year contract, I believe it's 27th on the list of cornerbacks in the NFL. Is Kenny Moore a top five corner? No, probably not. Is he top 10? Yeah, probably not. Is he in that 15-ish range? Yeah, I think he is. Um, I think there's a huge misconception about Kenny Moore. He is not just a slot corner. So many people want to peg him as that and kind of end the conversation there. Chris, Kenny Moore's played in every single game for the Colts each of the last two years. I believe his snap counts are like 95% over the last two years, which you play 70-some snaps on a given Sunday, he's out there for 68 of them. Um, That is not typical. And Kenny Moore is an outside corner Before you get to the slot. So like, yes, the Colts play a good amount of nickel. More nickel than they don't. But when they're in their base defense, a.k.a. two corners in the football field, Kenny Moore is an outside corner. So he plays outside at 5'9", and then he slides inside as a slot corner. When you go to the third cornerback on the field, you bring an extra one on the field, that bumps Kenny Moore in there. So I think it makes him even more unique, more versatile, and has more value than other corners around the league. Um, I, I, I'm I don't say this with knowledge, but I'm curious, Chris, if the signing of Stefan Gilmore spurred some of this for Kenny Moore. Uh, I know Kenny's gotten a new agent recently. typically that spurs some of this as well. The new agent wants to make his you know thoughts known. Um, and obviously he probably pitched something to Kenny of like, hey man, you deserve more. Uh, if you follow Kenny on social media, He's a guy that I think wants people to recognize his value. I get it. That's how he's wired. Undrafted free agent out of Valdosta State. He wants to get paid. Um, the Gilmore contract I think is around 10 million. I want to say Kenny's like in the seven-ish range. Uh, I think he'll make eight. He's got two years left on his current deal. Correct. But if you look at Stephon Gilmore over the couple last couple seasons, now he's 32. Now he's a little bit more banged up. He's, he's an outside corner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, does he have more value than Kenny Moore? Probably not, honestly. Um, I get it. It looks bad. Kenny played very poor to end last season. Like, um, it was unKenny like to watch him against Hunter Renfro and then even in that Jags game as well. But let's look a little bit big picture. The 15 games before that, again, over the last two years, do I think it's a major increase? No. Do I think it's a slight increase he deserves? Probably. Now, a couple things I'm curious about. First off, if you're the Colts, you have some leverage. You're going to say to Kenny Moore, dude, blame your former agent. Shouldn't have signed you to a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. You should have gotten out of it after three. Cashed in on it a little bit more. Um, the thing that Chris Ballard is a you know We know Ballard is having extremely core beliefs in his philosophy. Yes. Two of the core beliefs are this, Chris. One is you pay your own. You pay guys that perform at a high level, that are available, that work hard, that mean a lot in the locker room. Kenny Moore arguably tops that list more than any other Colt. I don't know if the Colts have a more consistent player than Kenny Moore. Certainly not on defense, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Consistently available, consistently productive. Um, the flip side or the other side that Chris Bauer is a big believer in is he knows how the locker room reacts to things. And when you set a precedent, the locker room is going to expect you to carry that out moving forward. So if you decide to rip up this contract, to guarantee the final two years, to give him a new deal... Whatever you decide to do, if they decide to do something, you're setting a new precedent. We know how Ballard's handled free agency. Never really spent a whole lot Correct. in that time of thing. Because he knows once you start to do it, guys in the locker room are going to be like, hey, what about me? Like, So I think that is something that's a slippery slope. And how he operates with this will be very, very interesting.
1: So, Kevin, I have a quick question for you before we jump to Nick Foles. Going off of what you just said about Ballard, which we all agree with, but also on the flip side, knowing Jim Irsay and kind of looking at like the NIL deals and and marketing and stuff of that nature, does Jim Irsay talk to Ballard and say, hey, not just his play on the field, but we can kind of pay him for the, the positive energy and national attention that he's brought to us. We've seen the different things that he's done in the community. Now, granted... Those are things that players like to do in general, but it does bring a positive value to your organization.
0: Yeah. To be honest, that'd be pretty minimal on my level. Um, I, I think it goes back to the locker room and part of the community stuff and part of the off the field stuff that that Kenny does probably adds to him as a person and what he means to locker room and how he works and how he's wired. Um, Again, he checks so many of those boxes. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't necessarily think it's that, but I think there's parts of his story that point to how he works. And I know this is cliche, but he's a professional, and that is important to them. Um, you know, I got into a back-and-forth on Twitter earlier today with somebody. The Colts don't trade for DeForest Buckner if he's acting like Javon Kenlaw. You know, like, DeForest Buckner is – worthy of the 13th overall pick in the Colts' eyes because of how much of a pro he is. Same thing with Kenny Moore. Um, Yeah, I guess there's a couple other things on Kenny before we move on. Again, this is very rare for the Colts. Uh, I'm not used to it at all. I mean, go back to the Grigson era, and now some of this you can make the argument like the Colts haven't had a lot of players get to a second, third contract in the Grigson era, so, you know, maybe you weren't in these situations. But, like, Pat McAfee was upset about the franchise tag in 2013, but, like, Hilton got the deal, you know, right at the end of his rookie deal. Costanzo got it, similar time frame. So, it's just unique for the Colts to be in this situation. So, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Again, I don't think this is a massive, massive story. 20-some NFL teams right now are dealing with something like this. And probably dealing it, dealing with it in a little bit more of a demonstrative manner. Then Kenny Moore, I mean, the Colts last year had the nicest trade, re- trade requests in the history of trade requests in Marlon Mack. Like, it was the most cordial thing in the world. I'm like, it's like the couple that breaks up in high school and they do it, in a, you know, they don't do anything on social media, nothing cryptic. Right. Like, you just want to clap for them. You just be like, maturation, <laughs>
1: right. maturity,
0: beautiful. Like, not like, oh, I can't wait to, you know, text your best friend when I, yeah. when I leave. You know, something like that. And like the Kenny Moore thing right now, I feel like is kind of falling on a similar scale. Like there he was at practice, hanging with black men, hanging with Ron Miles. Um, does Kenny want to be paid and does he want to have proper value? Yeah. Is, again, is Kenny the 27th best corner in the league? No. And I just want to get the whole slot. Like we just say he's a slot corner. He's not just a slot no, corner. No, he's not. I get that Kenny was poor the last two years, and by no means am I saying give him a new four year deal and pay him the top corner in the NFL. I think he deserves a slight increase. Chris, how many times early in a football game do you see Kenny Moore make a play to get the Colts off the field? A pass deflection as a slot corner, blowing up a screen on the outside, Uh making a play in space as just a sound tackler, not allowing yards after the catch.
1: Being able to sneak in off the edge and sack a quarterback or pressure him. So
0: many times, it's 23 doing it. uh i don't know it's it's weird i feel like i feel like fans and i get it i think times you know fans always gravitate towards the how dare a player want more money how dare a player hold out i i understand that it's it's an uglier side of professional sports but you know guys the colts cut carson wentz with three years left on his deal like you know it's just it goes both sides of it um You know, they ask players to take pay cuts at times. They ask players to restructure. So, um, slight increase, but by no means am I thinking the Colts will do it. Like, I I don't necessarily think that that's a slam dunk guarantee. So, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: Well, let's jump to the second major topic of the week. Uh, Nick Foles coming back to the Colts. Coming back, or not to the Colts, coming back with Frank Reich. Obviously, that cap hit's not not too crazy, Um, and the Bears, I believe, are paying most of his salary this year. Uh, But can you speak on that and what you've seen so far with him?
0: Yeah. um, You know, I don't know how to quantify this, Chris, and this probably will sound like I'm carrying a lot of the Colts' water, but you talk to people about Matt Ryan, you listen to Matt Ryan, you watch him even operate on a practice field like I did yesterday, and now Nick Foles. You hear people talk about him. You watch how he's handled his career. I mean, you talk about some highs and some lows in his career. You listen to him chat yesterday. Again, I don't know how to quantify this. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that this all of a sudden means the Colts are going to be a Super Bowl team. But I don't know if there's a team in the NFL that has a starter and a backup QB that just get it more than those two. They just strike me as dudes that just get it. Get what being a pro is all about. They get what it means to play quarterback in the NFL. They understand everything that comes with the responsibilities of being a guy that wears a red jersey in practice and gets paid the type of money that quarterbacks get paid. And in Foles' case specifically, his words yesterday, he has a totally great understanding. A la Matt Hasselback, you know, a few years ago of yes, I've won a Super Bowl. And I've gotten paid as a starter before, but I know what I'm being asked to do here, and I respect Frank Reich like no other. So I'm going to do that. Um, again, it, it that might sound a little cheesy and a little weird, but I just think the Colts have some some adults at quarterback. And I know that's going to sound like a shot at Carson Wentz, and I don't necessarily mean it in that frame. But I mean those two dudes have combined to throw twelve thousand passes in the NFL. <laughs> That's a whole lot, Chris yeah. Presley. They've been in some big-time moments. And Matt Ryan had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in that big moment. And Nick Foles had one of the wildest Super Bowl stories you'll ever going to hear. Shouldn't that mean something? Yeah. Doesn't that mean something? And I think the locker room respects that, should respect it. Now, again, by no means am I all of a sudden saying, that right there, the Colts go from eight wins to 12. Uh, again, I'm not saying that, but I just do think that should be a benefit. To that locker room, Uh, Foles made it clear that he wanted two years because he wants to not continue to move his family. And you know he's kind of got into this. He has been in a lot of places throughout his NFL career. Him and Chris Ballard were together for a year in Kansas City, so it's not just a um, a Frank Wright connection with this. You know I asked Frank yesterday, were you guys actively looking for a veteran backup, or was this just kind of a Nick Foles is available? He means so much. To me, we think he would mean a lot to us. Let's go get him. It sounds like this was a full, specific move. I don't think they would have just gone out there and signed any old backup veteran. Um, You know, he should help you out on a short week with his knowledge of the playbook. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my opinion on backup quarterbacks is a little bit different than most. You know, I look at it like, you know, in a way... Yes, Tampa Bay has Blaine Gabbard or had Blaine Gabbard, but they also had Kyle Trask. You know, they they drafted him. You know, Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. You know, I look at it of when you've got the older aging quarterback, I'd rather have the young ish, raw trait guy in that room. Ellinger to me is not that. Ellinger is kind of a defined ceiling. In case and Matt Ryan's career would indicate this is not going to happen, but you gotta acknowledge it. Yeah. What does happen if that player suffers a serious injury? I'd rather throw the young guy out there. You know, I don't need to see thirty-three-year-old Nick Foles play for two months. We we've seen that. You know, we have. Yeah. Now, I I get it in a one-to-two game. You know, sample size. Do you want to see Nick Foles? Is he does he give you the best opportunity to throw into a chaotic situation? Yeah, he probably does. Uh, and again, that's where I just differ a little bit on the quarterback position. But clearly last year, Chris, they were fed up with, you know, an Eason Ellinger, Brett Hundley trio. I mean, they've got some leaders in that room now and um, we'll see how it all uh, unfolds. But yeah, you know, Foles and Ryan watching them both yesterday. And I guess we can get into some of the OTA takeaways. Now you certainly notice throwing with anticipation, you know, Ryan, I guess, I thought Ryan had a really accurate day. It'd be one of those days, Chris, where like he had a lot of balls on target, but his completion percentage wouldn't be very high. And by that, Kylan Granson and Paris Campbell had a couple big drops early on. Granson had a couple drops. I thought in general, the DBs without Kenny Moore, Stefan Gilmore only took part in the walkthrough. Like Brandon Fason Isaiah Rogers, Rodney McLeod. Those dudes got their hands on balls and made great plays at the moment of truth. And, The Colts were full speed in 7-on-7, not full speed in 11-on-11. So the 7-on-7, you can replicate some of that speed, you know, from a passing game standpoint. Again, I thought Ryan was on target, but you just, I think it'll be a storyline to watch all year long. Can these Colts pass catchers separate? And Michael Pittman left early due to tightness, so he wasn't out there for a vast majority of it. But I just think that's going to be kind of a looming question that you'll have. Um, all year long. I know kind of the juicy headline coming from yesterday was Frank Reich saying, I don't play fantasy football, but if I did, I'd draft Kenny Moore high or er, Kenny Moore, <laughs> Naheem Hines high. Uh, again, Hines is going to be in the slot a whole lot. Yes, he is. And these running back signings of Tyshawn Williams and Philip Lindsay, those are insurance in case Taylor goes down. Nothing to do with Naheem Hines in his role. Hines is going to be in the slot a lot. Yeah, JMV asked me an interesting question yesterday, Chris. Mm-hmm. Does, does Naeem Hines play more in the slot, does that mean that T.Y. Hilton's you know need for him takes on a lesser bit? I don't think it does. I think Naeem Hines and T.Y. Hilton run very different route trees. T.Y. Hilton, for being... I get they're both 5'9 or whatever... But see why Hilton is down the field, the over routes, like that stuff, a little bit deeper route tree. Running backs don't run a very extensive route tree down the field, which is fine. Right. Like, again, I think Hines is such a weapon when you have him in the backfield eight, nine times a game. But then you also line him up in the slot 10 or 12 times a game, and he can run those option routes. And just, I mean, he had a play yesterday where he's on Zaire Franklin. Just unfair for Zaire Franklin to be expected <laughs> to do that. Right. And. Matt Ryan finds him in stride, perfect ball placement, and then it looked like the freeze in Atlanta running. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's what it looked like. You know, the Hines running away from Franklin in, in, in that case. So,
1: and that's why that's where I think the big difference is. I'm I'm not trying to compare him. I don't like to compare players too much. Um, saw a tweet the other day though about Hunter Renfro and his route running. Hunter Renfro catches the ball. He's going down or getting getting caught. Naeem Hines catches a ball in a zone. He might make a move and take off.
0: And you'd need to see more of that. You know, I think back to the – remember the game in Detroit when Hines scored and did the wild gymnastics yep. touchdown? Wasn't that just like a little swing pass to him? Yeah. Where you got him running full speed in space and Detroit had no answer for him. Like, that's the stuff I want to see more out of. I do think the next couple weeks will be a big, deciding factor in if you bring back a Hilton or not. I think you, you look at your young wideouts, you make a decision of like, all right, guys. I don't like what I saw. I like what I saw, and move on. Alec Pierce was really only second teamer yesterday, so Ellinger ran the second team offense, which you know makes sense. Nick Foles just got in the building, mm-hmm. so um, I mostly saw Pierce with him. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah, I, again, I thought it was a good day for the young. I guess not young, but maybe not as definite starter defensive backs. Face on. Face on was really good. Rodgers as well. Rodney McLeod made some plays. EJ Speed made a couple plays. No Darius Leonard out on the field.
1: Was Cross there at all?
0: He was there. I, it looked like all the draft picks were participating. You know, you're always kind of just worried about that. Of These guys have trained for a track event for a few months right? how are they now when they get into football practices Mm -hmm. so yeah it looked like all the draft picks were there Um, yeah um, we'll continue to update this moving on uh, if you want to get a look at what the starting offense and defense look like head to 107.5 thefan.com I've got a notebook out and it also lists the guys that did not appear to be participating again voluntary right now um, but I'll mention that as as well so we should watch next Wednesday I believe as well that's why this podcast is coming to you a little later in the week I want to make sure we recap this right. minicamp I think we watch all three of those days so we get a little bit more of a look at that so, Okay, um, yeah we got a notebook up on the website if you want any more information on that
1: perfect let's jump to Twitter questions Kevin we have about A dozen here this afternoon, this rainy afternoon here on Monument Circle. Yeah, hey,
0: get it out now, man.
1: (laughs) First one comes from Travis. With Nick Foles signing, can we assume that Sam Ellinger moves down to the practice squad? With potentially four tight ends being on the team, five or six wide receivers, especially if Paris Campbell stays healthy. Given he's a sixth-round pick with the measurables, should we be safe to say that?
0: Yeah, I think that's probably safe. I mean... I know teams have carried three quarterbacks on their 53 man roster and I get why I I just kind of look at Ellinger and I'm like, do you need to protect him on the 53? You know, do you need to take a spot away from someone else? I don't necessarily think that we'll have to see what the official practice squad rules are and all that for this year. But I I think you could probably slot him onto your practice squad. Um, I think two quarterbacks is just fine. And you know, then you have that extra number for all right. Here's another wideout. Uh, Here's another safety. You know, something along those lines.
1: All right, this is a fun one for you from Thomas. You get to choose a first or second-year player on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Okay. Which ones do you think, as he quotes, pop off or excels this year? His personal picks are Alec Pierce, the rookie, and Dio Dangbo, second-year player on defense. Pop off. Pop off, yeah.
0: God, I'd love to get some Pringles. Just that <laughs> would well, be great if we get some Pringles Pringles to sponsor the pod. Uh, it anybody would. anybody be- know anybody you know at Pringles or mm-hmm. I don't know is a Frito Lay. I, I, I think don't free- I, I don't actually. One of my golf teammates works for Frito Lay back in the day. I should. Boy, that rhymes.
1: I love how we get some like youth terminology on the podcast, and your, fir- your first thing you think of is chips. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, yeah,
0: I got an issue. I love chips. Um, I do. I love them a lot. Um, okay, first or second year player to pop off? Yeah, you know he didn't have a great day yesterday, but I think the opportunity is going to be there for Kylen Um, You know, drops have been a question for him. I just, I, I do think he's a different body type. I think he can help you out in the passing game. You know, I, th- I thought Trey Burton was effective when he was here. You know, can he play in that role? So, you know, Pierce is probably going to be a popular one, but. I mean, honestly, there's not a lot of first or second year guys on offense that you would put in this group. You know, Jelani Woods, probably another. So I'll go there. Um, I don't know, maybe Mike Strong. You know, defense dio would be my pick. And, you know, the injury has a lot to do with it. Isaiah Rogers, I guess, is year three, so he wouldn't qualify. Again, J and I got into this a little bit yesterday. And Chris, you've heard me say this before in the podcast. Our listeners have. If Dio Dengbo can be what Chris Bauer believes and can make that jump from the Achilles to his second year and be healthy and effective, I mean, they think New York giant defensive linemen during those Super Bowl runs. Tuck, O.C., Michael Strahan, you know, that type of body type. If Dio can give you that, all of a sudden this is a defense that we probably start talking about in a different light. Oh, yeah, Matthias Kiwanuka. Yeah, I I, I forgot about that name. Um, yeah, he would be another, you know, long, versatile body type, certainly. So, yeah, I'll go with Mr. O'Dangbo for that one. Thomas, that was a good question. Thank you for sending
1: me. more and more talking about the corners play on words.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Stephon Gilmore, Kenny Moore. Yeah. Huh. And right, Jason should be a headline writer. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You know, one thing Gilmore related. again, yesterday he did not participate in the full speed stuff, just did some walkthrough 11 on 11. It's just, I am curious, Chris, how much is he going to play? Is he healthy to the point where you think he can get 80% of snaps? out of him for a game is it the 60% we saw last year because if he's playing 60% obviously more is not coming off the field you know that but then Brandon Faison and Isaiah Rogers is going to be needed a whole lot I mean one of them will be your third corner so that guy's playing a whole lot and then when Gilmore needs his rest that other guy is going to be playing a good amount as well so again interested to see how they handle Gilmore
1: yeah This is right up your alley, Kevin. Gary writes in saying, first off, he would be remiss if he didn't mention to you that he is an avid golf golf fan, and Uh, how about Justin Thomas last weekend?
0: Very impressive from the Louisville native, Justin Thomas. Yes. Talent speaks for itself. No one has more golf shots than him on tour. It's breathtaking watching him shape the golf ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boy, that was impressive. Yeah, I was leaving the track Sunday. And had some financial stake in Mr. Thomas. And we just kind like, of go. Right.
1: You
0: Yeah, know, does he have any chance? Is Mito Pereira choking? And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, Mito. Yeah. Mr. is starting to come back to the field. Um, but at the same time, we probably shouldn't forget six birdies in the last 13 holes for Justin Thomas. No bogeys. Unreal. That's Sunday of a major. In the playoff, I mean, he hit the first drive in the rough. But outside of that, he was flawless. So, yeah, really impressive to see out of Justin Thomas.
1: Well, Kevin, Gary also wants to know, in your opinion, whether it be draft, free agency signing, trades, or player re-signings, what are the top three Ballard moves that he's made this offseason? Also, like most people that have moved away from Indianapolis, Gary misses the month of May here, and he never misses a podcast.
0: Well, Gary, that means a lot, all of that. Uh, The month of May is going swimmingly well. Again, the weather looks brilliant for Sunday. Hopefully we dodge it for Carb Day a little bit there. Um And I appreciate your loyalty is second to none. Okay, top three Ballard moves this offseason? Yes. Well, one would be Matt Ryan. Uh, just the whole Ryan Wentz thing. Can we group that together as one? You yeah, know? Right. Ron Rivera texting Ballard. How did you do that? <laughs> I mean, literally. <laughs> literally. You know? I mean, how did you pull that off? We had to pay what for Carson Wentz? You paid what for Matt Ryan? You know, it, it's shocking. I would put Ngakwe much closer to one than probably most. You know, the same thing with Kenny Moore. We take for granted guys that put on their jersey week in and week out. I think I've made this analogy before, the Pacers. You know, isolate Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald, Malcolm Brogdon's probably the better player. Just, you know, they're both healthy on a given night. But dude, Buddy Heald's played like every game the last three seasons. Malcolm Brogdon plays like Fifty percent of the game. So, what I'm getting at is Ngakwe is available so much, and then produces nine to ten sack seasons. You know, in no way, shape, or form is he going to be a you know 18 sack guy and you know first team All Pro. He's been one, I think, a one time Pro Bowler. But it's almost one of those kind of death by a thousand paper cuts is how Ngakwe makes his impact. Of you get to the end of the year and. Matt Taylor gets on the radio and is like, and that is sack number nine for Yannick Ngakwe, the most for a Colts edge player, you know, whatever. And you're kind of like, wow, Ngakwe had nine sacks this year. Huh. That's kind of how he operates there. And when's the last time the Colts have had that?
1: I was going (laughs) to say. That's why
0: I think it's such a critical move at a spot where it's hard to find proven pass rushers. Uh, And the Colts made that trade. So I think he means that much more to me than Gilmore. You know, I know Gilmore would probably be a popular choice. I would say the third one would be, I'll go Alec, Alec Pierce. And I say that not because I'm expecting Alec Pierce to walk in and have 900 yards a rookie. I'm saying that because you're in such a dire need to wideout. To me, you, corner was a need. It wasn't massive. And Gilmore's 32. Alec Pierce, obviously a draft pick. Much more of a dire need at that position. So, yeah, I'll go Matt Ryan 1, Ngakwe 1, B or C. Pierce, I'll go with number 3.
1: Okay, this one comes from Hank. Who do you think will make the biggest leap for the Colts this upcoming year? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but earlier you talked about Dio Dangbo. Is that this probably who you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, the earlier question I think you just – forced me to do first or second year so i'll go maybe a for a third year guy okay. i'll go isaiah rogers
1: okay um
0: you know yes dio certainly guys who like if they make a leap chris i mean what if matt Pryor makes a leap and like listening to matt Pryor talk about left tackle this was not on his radar like right. this is not a guy that like Thought about left tackle before, doing it at a full-time base. This is very, like, mm-hmm. guys, I'm just as surprised as you are <laughs> that <laughs> that they're kind of penciling me, penciling me in. I'm excited about it. I've changed my body a little bit to play over there. But if one of those guys can take a jump, gosh, man, that could be huge for your offensive line. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But if you're going to make me bet on one, I know he's been a popular pick, but I just love how he attacks the ball. Um, uh, So I'll go Isaiah Rogers.
1: Okay. This next one comes from Jay. Do you think, Kevin, that the Colts wanted to bring back Matt Eberflus if he didn't get a head coaching job this past offseason? It's clear that Bradley's presence has changed their approach to the defense offseason moves. From what he can remember, they didn't take any swings like Yannick Ngakwe and Stephon Gilmore in the past years, both of which Bradley was pushing for. Also, Jay Jay can't help but to think that Ballard's excitement for more man coverage and pressure tipped everyone off to him wanting to make a def- defensive staffing change?
0: Yeah, Jay, this is a good question. Um, Something that I've certainly thought about and uh, certainly debated on this pod. I guess to answer the first one, yes, the Colts wanted Matt Eberflue's back. I mean, Chris, that's Chris Bowers' guy. I mean, he would, honestly, he'd probably laugh if you asked him that in a serious manner. Now, my opinion, I disagree on that stance. I felt like Yanni Kangakwe, Stefan Gilmore, the willingness to do some things differently would not be here if Matt Eberflus was still the defensive coordinator. And, again, a lot of this comes back to the root of how I view roster building, how teams should strive for success, The goal is to win championships. And when you have the quarterback questions the Colts have, you need your defense to be at a high level. And this unit never reached that when playing the best quarterbacks in the league. And oftentimes, you know, you got really shredded when you played some mediocre QBs, which I think was an issue as well. So, yeah, finally some man, but... you know, it's like, why at the end of year four is this just now happening? You know, why is this not happening a little bit earlier? Mm-hmm. Now, the Gus Bradley thing is interesting. The most popular word I keep on hearing, Chris, from Colts defenders about the change in scheme is, you know, we're going to be simpler. And I think to myself, gosh, weren't you already pretty yeah, they're simple?
1: Yeah, you're
0: pretty simple. <laughs> now, is this just year one? simplicity and is that some of it but you know that is something that again i'll be keeping my eye on throughout the year you know to the last point i guess this is more of a ballard related question and i've asked him this on the record and he certainly did not even sniff going there but (laughs) chris like you had the most pro bowlers of any team in the nfl last year you played in the easiest division the afc and you missed the playoffs you know at some point isn't your coaching staff deserve blame Mm -hmm. in that area you know is that frank reich is that matt eber i mean those would be the two guys that have the most responsibility of anybody on that coaching staff and that's where i'm just confused by you know not a little bit more of accountability um instead of just heaping out just you know puddles of praise like it sounds like my mom talking about me and I'm like, mom, you're extremely biased or hell. How she talks about her granddaughter. I'm like Rosie's so smart. I'm like, "Well, mom, you, you kind of have to say that. That's what it sounds like to me. And it's like, at some point, you know, there's gotta be a level of accountability that goes higher than just, you had the most pro bowlers mm-hmm. You're playing the AFC South and yet you couldn't get one of the seven spots in the AFC. So yeah, I, again, I think, I get the grass is not always greener, but I think a fresh message, fresh philosophy, mm-hmm. fresh voice, ideas—I think it should be welcome on the defensive side of the ball. But Jay, to your question, it's a very good question. I think uh, Matt Eberflus would would be back here.
1: We got four more for this episode of Kevin's Corner. This one comes from Adam. What stat line would Paris Campbell need to have to receive a ten million plus dollar contract Ooh. extension after next season? Do that number again. Ten mil. Ten plus, Holy
0: million, hell. actually, um, seventeen games, seventeen games, seventeen games. <laughs> Let's start there. I mean, he'd have to play every single game. Ten million annually, no shot. I mean, hey, hell, he get off two thousand yards. <laughs> you know, I. We curious,
1: might we, you, we might go ten over two.
0: That's what I was thinking. Like, okay, what would be two years, twelve million? Leo, what would he have to do? Right. Even then, he'd have to play every game and be, you know, close to a thousand yards to me. Like, you know, when you've had the injury history that he's had, which is what fifteen games out of forty-nine. Is that what it is?
1: You would know better than I, and that's still an outrageous number to hear.
0: Yeah, fifteen out of (laughs) forty-nine. I believe it is. You're going to have to prove it for more than one year. And yes, it's a contract year and all that. And, you know, I think he gets that. I think he realizes that. But yeah, $10 million, I don't... Maybe stretched over a couple seasons. But then again, Chris, do you want to give him a multi-year deal? You know, do you want to put that guarantees on your salary cap books? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that one,
1: Adam. Very... Uh... Positive Vibes Twitter name here, Colt Super Bowl.
0: Oh, here we go.
1: Let's stay with Paris Campbell. Let's say everything goes well with him and he has a breakout year. Given his past injury history, would you sign him to an extension? Colt Super Bowl feels like as much as he wants Paris Campbell to stay healthy and ball out, doesn't know if he want. it feels like Paris is going to want to get paid.
0: Yeah. Uh, boy, these are some high praise questions here for – health, health, (laughs) health, health, guys. I mean, all caps. Like, you know, who's paying him? You know, like, the thing with Campbell, too, Chris, is these are injuries all over his body. You know, it's not isolated to one area. Of like, all right, here we are. We're going to go to a new shoulder specialist this year, and that guy's going to get Paris Campbell right. You've had injuries up and down his body there. So, boy, I didn't expect we'd get this many Paris Campbell contract talk questions, you know, for me. And when you look at that 2019 draft class, Chris, there's not a lot of guys that you need to pay, mm-hmm. you know, Rock's gone, Ben Banigou, no, you know, Kari Willis. Uh, we'll see Bobby O'Kara. I, 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 he might be the one you'd pay the most. Uh, Campbell obviously is in that class. The questions for me are just Nelson extension, Pittman extension, Taylor extension, kind of those sorts of questions. Right. So, um, you know, if Campbell has a breakout year, and he's healthy. I say to Paris, all right, we've stood by you. We've done all this. Here you go. One year, whatever. $3 million, $4 million. Prove it one more year, and then you're really going to cash in. I mean, he can't be that old. How old is he, 25, 26? You know, he's not right. super old. He could still cash in and get a nice deal after
1: that. We got a fun one from Daniel. He wants to know uh, if you have any sense from Frank Reich during any of the pressers. Uh, with Jelani Woods being a high school quarterback and his mobility and just way to to do certain things, could we use him like a Trey Burton and have some trick plays in the red zone that Frank likes to throw in some wrinkles?
0: Hey, now. You know me. I'm all for it. Uh, we have not heard that yet in the pressers. I think with rookies, it's probably like, let's let the man learn his position. Right. He's still pretty new to, to tight end. Uh, it, when you talk to people... Some would argue tight end is the hardest position to learn in the NFL, coming from college, outside of quarterback, uh, because you got to know the run game and the pass game so well that that's why it's so difficult, especially in this offense. So, uh, but yeah, sure, you know Woods in a Philly special, Indy special, sign me up for. It, but that has not been top of mind so far.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I was listening to uh, George uh, George Kittle and Greg Olson because they do a, a tight end. You, I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. Heard about yeah, that yeah. or not. And I think they they have like 140 guys coming out, like most of the NFL, and they just pick each other's brains. It's almost like the Manning Academy. Yeah, for sure. And th- that's what they said. They said tight end in today's day and age is not what tight end used to be. No. It's no. completely different.
0: I, th- I think that's a good way to, to put it. Let's actually stop there, Chris. I do got to run to a meeting. We'll save that last question for a future pod. All right. Um. Again, 1075thefan.com has got a recap from the OTA on Wednesday. Chris Presley, your Indy 500 pick is who?
1: Um, I'm going to go with a local guy. I don't necessarily think they're going to win, but since I also have them in a draft pool, let's go Connor Daly.
0: Ooh, Connor Daly outside of row six. That's some, is he going mullet?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and our our good buddy Joey has a podcast with him, so we're going, Connor.
0: Joey Molinero, legend. Yes, they do. They do have a podcast. Joey's been out there all month, right?
1: Oh, oh yeah, he's on. He's in an RV.
0: <laughs> just living life. Gosh, sure, his pregnant wife's just loving that. Yep. Um, I will go with. I'm looking at the starting grid right now. Give me who Maddie thought was scott dixon the other night when she saw him out at dinner she said good luck scott pulling for you on sunday and his wife said that is not scott it is will (laughs) i will go with will power out of the middle of row four the top penske the winner in 2018
1: yeah always always a good runner out here at the track
0: are we idiots for not picking a ganassi car scott dixon
1: you know, Tony Kana- Tony Kanan was here the other day. He's always a fan favorite. All the, It's hard when we get access to the, all these guys, and they're all so nice. Like, you, you truly – it's one of those where usually you say, hey, I'm pulling for you. I hope you win. That is truly how it is yeah, when dude, you talk we've to had every – Dude, have so
0: many drivers on this month. Yeah, they, they're great personalities. Um, yeah, I mean, you are legit pulling for them. I was talking to some people from Honda the other day. They are like, yep, I would go with Kanan. So – He will definitely be a name to watch, but hopefully safe travels to everybody coming in town, going to the race, and obviously safe travels to the drivers as well. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We'll be back next week for another edition of Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.